0: everyone, welcome to Now Boarding, a new travel podcast by me, Payal Nair. This show aims at creating awareness about ecotourism, sustainable tourism, responsible travel, and a lot more. We will cover stories and journeys of people who are ecotourism specialists and those who are leaders in their field. We will also be talking to people who have had unique travel experiences, remarkable conceptual places to stay, unexplored cultures and ancient histories of various towns and cities around the world. Join me in this journey of knowing more about travel. Get inspired to see the world and discover your inner self. My guest today is Dr. Khaled Irani. Dr. Irani, as an introduction, is a member of the Senate of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. He was the former Energy and Environment Minister of Jordan and is currently the President of the Royal Society for the Conservation of Nature. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Irani.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So there's so much to talk about, and I don't really know where to begin. But maybe we can start with, as you know, the focus is on ecotourism. So I'd like to understand from you, from your perspective, what do you think is the meaning of ecotourism and how important it is in relation to your beautiful country?
1: Thank you very much. For me, ecotourism is a tool, not an objective by itself. For me, when we started ecotourism, we saw it as a tool to generate income, to sustain nature sites. So it's partly that and to generate support for nature conservation and to create local businesses and local jobs for people living in and around those natural beauties. We call them the jewels of the country. And I, I hope those three principles apply not only in Jordan, but this is the basic principle to sustain uh, those sites. So it's about the jargon language of sustainability. But in a sense, the fourth for me, it shouldn't be at the account of, so you cannot develop ecotourism infrastructure or, or activities uh, and compromise nature. For me, uh, nature should always come first. And ecotourism is a tool. And I always told my people, my team, we all, uh, when we planned and introduced actually the, the uh, organized ecotourism to Jordan, the first location was at Dana Reserve, which is a UNESCO site now. We yeah. started this reserve in the 90s and started the first ecotourism project. So even the infrastructure, the carrying capacity of the campsites, training and building the capacity of the local community. 100% of the staff are from the local community. Knock-on effects in terms of site businesses started to create out of this location. So those nature sites became not only important for their own nature importance and ecology, but for their beauty, and they became economic hubs. For, so for us to up raise the level of nature conservation of the country, that was our tool in the beginning. You know, we were called nature guides, those crazy nature guys who are only interested in nature and not about poverty. This is the priority of the kingdom. We, ha- we have limited uh, natural resources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Why do they care about few animals and plants? <laughs> and now they now the nature network in Jordan became is at the top level of the creating local jobs and uh, thus creating awareness about the importance of these locations and other to stay protected and pristine, not only for their natural beauty, but for their economy, which is fine for us. At least we got the objective of, of, of protecting them. Some are policymakers are interested because it's, it creates jobs. Why not? Yeah. But at least they are, they are protected for us we are the bottom line for us eventually is is nature conservation as a conservation organization
0: right yeah absolutely so i mean coming to nature conservation the one area that comes up is the dead sea because from what the amount of research I've done and also personally I've, I've been there, what I'm understanding is that the Dead Sea is drying up. So am I right in saying that? And if I am, then what kind of measures are being taken to, to actually, you know, prevent that from happening or from slowing it down?
1: Yes, you're right. The uh, Dead Sea level... Is dropping down almost one meter a year. It's been really under heavy pressure
0: for many reasons. Sorry, and sorry to interrupt, but what is the reason behind that?
1: Many reasons. Some unfortunately are political because after the occupation, Israel has diverted most of the Jordan River that used to feed in the Dead Sea into diverting this water. And of course, I'm not only blaming Israel, all the countries around the Dead Sea are tapping into the water and valleys and uh, streams coming into the Dead Sea. But the main feeder was just the Jordan River, which is now almost dry or, or small amounts of water only gets into the Dead Sea. And of course, there are other reasons in terms of the potash on both sides in Israel and in Jordan, potash industry and in, uh, so phosphate, uh, phosphate and, uh, you know, especially the, the potash, there is drying up also in the southern part of the Dead Sea. And so, yes, it's been drying up and it's heavily under pressure. And that uh, is creating sinkholes and it's creating threat to the, even uh, more to Jordan because Jordan has key tourism locations and hotels at the Dead Sea. And, you know, for Israel, it it has the Mediterranean, it has the Red Sea. And Dead Sea was not a major tourism attraction. For us, it is. And uh, so it's it has a major impact on it, and it will have a major impact on tourism because the shore is getting far and far from the hotels now, yeah. and uh, and the sinkholes are creating some uh, problems in certain areas. And so it is a, it is a big issue. It is a, I believe it's a, not only a local issue. The, the Dead Sea is a is a national, it's an international yeah. treasure, nature wise, archaeology wise, uh, geology wise, and it should have the attention of uh, many uh, countries around the world. There are certain potential solutions. Uh, The countries, uh, Palestine, Jordan, Israel, thought of uh, just after the peace was the Red Sea, Dead Sea pipe to bring in the uh, Red Sea water to the Dead Sea and desalinate. That unfortunately did not materialize because of some, uh, of course, of the political issues again. And Jordan now is thinking start its own desalination plant on uh, at the Red Sea and bringing some water into the Dead Sea. But this is not the volume, original volume, as it was anticipated when the three countries were thinking of to have the Red Dead uh, projects. That was, we know, that was promoted early 90s. And okay. till now, nothing happened. Right. So that's the potential yeah. solution.
0: Right. Okay, so so basically what you're saying is that since the early 90s, there has been discussion about bringing the dead, you know, the red, water from the Red Sea into the Dead Sea, but... Uh, Especially
1: after the peace process with the Jordan. Yeah. Uh, the second half of the 90s. Second half. After, the yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Um, so moving away from that, how popular is rural tourism in, in Jordan? Is it something that you know people do talk about or is it something which people are not that aware of i mean what are your your thoughts on that
1: i tell you i remember i was head of protected areas in the early 90s and when we started ecotourism as i told you in one certain area yeah we jordanian used to most jordanians used to when they go out they used to just like to park just near a tree have a barbecue know a very minimal number of hikers or campers or people who like to just go and explore the villages and nature but when we started in the uh, creating camps and creating ecologies we we could see more and more people coming in the late 90s and we could see when we also built a center in amman in the capital just we, we because in the beginning we were struggling Get, not getting enough traffic at those locations to generate income. And so we said, we can't bring people to nature. Let's bring, bring nature to to people and right. we, we we created the center we called it wild jordan in the uh, we built it in the heart of the city where people can go have lunch dinners and learn about the protected areas and you know you could see the evolution of your people so many now local initiatives about uh, jordan nature national trail for example and institute started taking people from north to south many hikers many local guides Got trained to be local guides, even beyond uh, the Royal Society. But we are, we're proud that we started this movement, and, and it's more and more you see people at weekends going exploring nature, exploring villages. There are be- there are villagers who are creating bed and breakfast now, and so it's 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 uh, unfortunately it got disturbed by every uh, like everyone in the world. Everyone in COVID. the COVID, yeah, yes, but, yeah. but but 2019 was a great year. Teen and yeah, part of yeah, uh, but, oh, but, but uh, yeah, and but unfortunately, with the COVID, now which hopefully we 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 are trying to catch up so again. But yeah, it expanded in Jordan.
0: Oh, that's, that's interesting. And for, so it expanded not just internationally, but also there was a lot local. of awareness locally. So what is, Absolutely. The, I mean, what is the Jordan Trail? I've been reading a lot about it. This so-
1: is a, a local NGO created to develop a Jordan National Trail from north to south. Okay. I think it's, um, I'm, I don't have lots of detailed information, but I think it's over 600 uh, kilometers but that also passes by through our nature reserves and it passes through different rural areas different from north to south and, and so what
0: is the mode of it's an
1: actual physical trail but okay. also the local NGO NGOs trying to work with the local communities around this trail to start to create small businesses local guides maybe nature products like we did with our nature reserves etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it's still in the development phase It it is actually you can actually walk it or walk part of it or you know and so it is there it still needs to develop more and more facilities around it i think and what at least the the infrastructure the in terms of idea and physics physically on the ground is there
0: okay yeah that would be interesting because i mean as an international traveler what we know about jordan is petra of course and also the dead sea so you know it would be interesting to expand that and because from my understanding jordan does have a lot of uh, heritage sites right or or,
1: of course we have we have just the royal society for the conservation of nature we manage 10 sites, almost 5% of the country. And the 10 sites are the natural jewels of Jordan. Like if you, I mean, if you talk about Dana, Dana is the Petra of nature in, in the world. Uh, this is how I call it. It's how you see Petra as a, a globally important uh, archaeological location and site. Dana is that for nature. Uh, it's it's the beauty of, it's, it's very beautiful in terms of landscape. It has the, the highest biodiversity in in one protected area in the world. It has, uh, we discovered plants new to science. It has, you know, it's, a, it, it's an amazing biodiversity and landscape uh, location that has ecologists. One of its ecologists won a few years ago among the 10 best uh, ecologists in nas- national geographic. Uh, and it, it has uh, won many awards. Uh, so this is one location. We have Mujib, that is uh, another area with a beautiful river going into the Dead Sea, cutting the gorge like a Sikh of Petra. You can have a the hike there, nature adventure. So we have many different locations with different landscapes. Even in the desert, we have beautiful uh, areas where you can camp, And other than Wadi Ram, which is very famous. Yeah. But we have in the east also. The picture, if you can see behind me, is an oasis in the middle of the desert. It's called Azrak Reserve, where we have... The one unique fish that doesn't exist anywhere there, where else in the world but here.
0: What is, the name? Uh, what is the name of the fish? This episode of Now Boarding, a travel and tourism podcast is supported by Podcast Melting Pot Collection, which is an inspiring podcast series covering journeys of culturally diverse and passionate individuals. And it also envisions to be a leading platform for motivational storytelling that inspires listeners from all walks of life.
1: It's it's a very small fish called Afanis sarhani. Sarhani, which is according to Wadi sarhan, that cuts through our Jordanian desert. So we have many, many nice and beautiful locations. And this area, for example, has also an ecologe and a museum. And we have the Arabian oryx roaming around in the desert there, where you can do the uh, desert safari. Uh, So each area, we have developed different ecotourism activities that match and the area you are in, and also we have also developed with local women certain products, and from organic farming to silver jewelry. And we have more than we have created more than 350 different product lines that local women especially do, because you know most of the jobs, unfortunately, of the reserves are men dominant, like yeah. the rangers and others. Yeah. But that's why we also worked with women in the local communities to empower also women and make them. And you could see the difference now in in certain communities where women are making money, they are the leaders of their community and the leaders within the family because of their economic status, because they're creating now, they make jobs, they sell their products, and, and their status is different. So this is another way... The community, I believe, is positively influenced. And we don't do it top-down. top, top down. We actually discuss priorities with the local community. We're part of that. And uh, it is bottom-up. And uh, this is the beauty of it, because we develop the priorities together. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the communities are, are they Bedouins? Or they are, there are different different, different communities? In the,
1: Eastern, in the Eastern Desert, they are Bedouins. In the certain areas like Dana, some of them originally farmers. That's why we develop organic farming. In the north, for example, where it's uh, Ajlun, where it is a natural forest, oak forest, and farmers of olive oil, olives, so they do olive oil. So we develop their olive oil into soap that is now exported to the world. Beautiful brand of Ajlun soap that it is uh, mixed with the natural herbs and it's becoming a brand by itself. So in each area, we develop products that is relevant to the area it's itself,
0: unique to that area. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and
1: in yeah. Ajloun, we developed also Nature Academy, which is a beautiful building. That because Jordan is playing a regional role now, not only a local role. And so, as I mentioned, we manage a reserve in Yemen, Sumatra, which is one of the most unique islands in the world. We help also managing two reserves in Saudi Arabia and we developed this nature academy we we also worked with the Lebanese and others so and now this academy is uh, developing nature curriculum and training we help develop national police force for environment in Jordan and we always train the rangers there etc
0: yeah so when you have international you know guests coming in for tourism Is there, you know, because the local communities and now that you've said to me that it's not just Bedouins, it's local communities from like every region has its own, how do you educate um, the tourists to... A, not just respect the environment, but also respect the communities that are a part of, you know, that region, one. And two, are there any projects that actually, you know, where the tourists engage with the community, give back to the community in order to you know, help them sort of, you have mentioned that there are products and things like that that are being sold, but is there, are there any other, are the children from those communities, for example, getting educated? So these are some of the things which I'd be really interested to know.
1: Yes. You know, many angles. One, we we use different tools. One, as soon as you go into the reserve, there is a visitor center that shows in an interactive manner the area, the history of the area, the archaeology, the social structure, the nature, of course. So we, because in each reserve, before we start, we do inventories. We do a full, of course, uh, plants, animal inventory, birds, study. Uh, We do social and economic uh, uh, studies. Before we declare any area as a protected area, we do social economics to understand the dependency of people on the, this natural resource. We don't want to do anything in the management plan to affect negatively without al- providing uh, alternatives. Because as you know, Jordan, is, uh, nature is fragile. It's a uh, dry country. Uh, over overgrazing and this is one main practices of local community, Overgrazing is exposing the soil to erosion and we are losing lots of plants because of overgrazing. because currently they are confined in certain areas and not moving like before and leaving the area to regenerate by itself. So there are many pressures over the natural. So whenever you want to say no grazing in this area and you're allowed to graze in this area in order for this area to regenerate, that's one of the things why we created ecotourism to provide alternative sources of income until this area is is uh, to to have a, re- a reduced impact. So when the visitor comes, we 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 discuss these things in the visitor center, so they understand uh, what they are coming to. This is one aspect. This is the first front, which is at the reception. They go. They... The second, they are if they want to have a hike, they are obliged to take a local guide, and the local guide is trained not only to talk about nature, to talk about how the locals use nature and how they interact with nature, their history, their you know beliefs, all of that. So the local guide discusses that in a, in a, in a nice way with the, with the visitors. And so these are two fronts for us, uh, faces that we explain ab- about nature. Your other question about contribution, yeah. I tell you, when we started this model in the 90s, we looked, I went to the, I did my master's in national parks management in the States, and we went to look at the national parks model in the state. but also we wanted to see the African model. So we went to the African model. As you said, in the African model, for example, it's managed by the government and the return from tourists helps building schools, health centers, etc. We said this is the, resp- in Jordan, it is the responsibility of the government in each area, they have to build schools and they have to build health centers. And so what we want to do with the local community is for them to decide their priorities. That's why creating businesses, they generate income and with their income, they start to decide their priorities because the fundamental services are there. And so in the States, for example, is different. Also, they do concession agreements. They bring good brands to manage their we, we We do the same in certain areas, but the conditions are 100% local community employment. Money contribution goes to the local community and goes to nature, partly goes to our center to enable us to manage. Because for us, not all the staff in the reserve are uh, local guides and tourism related. We have our ecologists, we have our education officers, we have our researchers who are doing the monitoring on the ecosystem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are paid or paid by some of the reserves, of course, Paid by the tourism activities uh, income, of course, and some others, some other reserves are not, they don't make money from uh, tourism. So we have to raise our own funds to, because our purpose is to protect them, not to make tourism in in them necessarily. So, of course, tourism for us is maybe 30% contribution to our nature uh, reserves running costs.
0: Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, It's just been wonderful. There's so much information that you've shared with me. Um, I really appreciate that. If there is something that, you know, you'd like to add before we end the conversation, something about Jordan that you would like to share with all the viewers and the listeners, that would be uh,
1: great. Yes, I would. Uh, encourage all your viewers and listeners to come to Jordan first it is safe it is uh, it's nice for them to see Petra and all what they hear but it's also for nice for them to visit our nature reserves they are really beautiful very unique you cannot find any other in the world like this landscape Jordan is uh, safe all the problems around us you hear about in the uh, news of the Middle East but Jordan is very safe you could be walking in the middle of the village and they would invite you for tea free of charge. They would welcome you. They would show you the way. So it's uh, good people. And I encourage people. Uh, they will be, it's not only going to a 5 stars hotel. It's nice to visit those ecologists By visiting them, your listeners would enjoy, but also contribute to a good cause.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Irani. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank, thank, you. thank you. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Now Boarding, a travel podcast. Check out other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And of course, don't forget to share your thoughts with us. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes only on Now Boarding, a travel podcast.